I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. All right, welcome everybody to Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, the Second Amendment, freedom and self-defense, and whatever else we want to talk about. Sometimes politics, sometimes news, sometimes all kinds of stuff. Don't forget uh, that Rapid Fire is sponsored by Vortex Optics. Come to the shop. We are fully stocked with a huge case and selection of Vortex Optics, so you want to check them out. And uh, we are really glad you're here. And join us online at capegunworks.com if you want to have your voice heard and be a part of the discussion. We would love to you know, expand our, our range and our voice throughout all of Massachusetts and maybe New England. So not too many gun shows out there anymore, people talking guns on the radio, and I'm glad we're doing it. So it's fun. I enjoy interacting with you guys on the chat, and someday we might even go to a live show. You never know. For those of you just joining us or just hearing this for the first time, that Massachusetts has finally graced us with their latest mass approved weapons roster so that's big news we have i don't know four or five more guns on the list here that we can now sell the much anticipated uh mmp9 shield plus is on the list so we're really excited about that um, we have one on our range that you can come and shoot and the beauty of this gun is it's barely any bigger than the existing shield but now it's going to have a 10 round capacity instead of eight and that is awesome actually the flush mag i think is 10 round the extended mag in a free state would be 13 rounds so i'm pretty excited about that but if you want to come shoot that we have them on the range and uh, we have them in stock for sale um, we also bond arms has added a couple more of their derringers and 45 and uh, colt and 410 gauge um, we also have uh, a new pistol from SIG, the M18 uh, EMP, it's called. We'll have that for sale as well. Oh, the Ruger Max 9. That's a good one. So everyone's kind of following suit, like realizing these subcompact pistols should be 10 rounds. And uh, Ruger came out with their Max 9. And I know Coleon Wire has done a lot of reviews on those on his Instagram and YouTube channel, and he loves it. He has one video where he's shooting this Max 9 like 185 yards. It's crazy. And then a bunch more of the G3 Compact and a G3B pistol. I'll have to Google that myself to see what the heck that is. But they have four more G3 pistols for sale in Massachusetts, so that's good. Um, overall, it was a little disappointing to not see the Springfield Armory Hellcat on the list. Uh, I was hope, hopeful that it would be there, but it's not. And so it looks like we only got about four different guns now for sale. But hopefully this all goes away anyways with the Firearms Policy Coalition's lawsuit here in Massachusetts challenging the whole um, mass-approved weapons roster in the first place, which would be wonderful. 
Which brings me to a question. Like, this is the question that I've always had as a gun owner, especially in Massachusetts, especially dealing with this approved weapons roster or firearms roster, is can states legally restrict our constitutional rights? Or are they only allowed to expand on them? So going back a couple of years when you couldn't buy pepper spray or without a permit or a stun gun in this state and a girl used a stun gun in a self-defense issue against a violent boyfriend and when the police showed up they arrested her for using a electronic weapon and you know in my mind is like she could have legally had a license to carry and shot the guy after when he was violently attacking her and probably been justified but yet because she used an electronic weapon device like a stun gun and the guy was fine 30 seconds after you know he recovered they arrest her and charge her with a crime of assault and battery with a deadly weapon or whatever the heck the charge was and it went all the way uh to the mass supreme court where she lost in the mass supreme court and then it took years but finally i think it was one of um uh Attorney Justice Scalia, uh, Justice Scalia's final decisions before he uh, passed away was he sent a, a kind of a smackdown on Massachusetts saying, you guys are violating their civil rights in Massachusetts by not allowing stun guns. It is protected under the Second Amendment. It is protected under the Constitution. Therefore, you know, you got to you got 30 days or 60 days, whatever he gave him to get your head out of your, you know, where. And so Massachusetts did end up making adjustments there. And um, now, thanks to the good people at the state house, we can possess a stun gun if you possess a license to carry and you've gone through your four hour course and paid your fee and got fingerprinted and photographed and background checked. And then anywhere you can legally carry a firearm, you can now legally carry a stun gun or a taser. Isn't that just so good of them? Because they really care about us being able to protect ourselves here in the Commonwealth, that they blessed us with those wonderfully restrictive guidelines so that just any responsible person on earth can't walk into a gun store and buy a stun gun and keep themselves safe without jumping through all the hoops and going through all the background checks and doing all the drama and paying the fee and getting photographed and fingerprinted and you know background checked but i digress so that was a perfect example of a state restricting uh constitutional rights and the federal government stepping in so where is it on this issue of assault weapons bans or magazine restriction or approved firearms rosters like california and massachusetts um because frankly, I think that states restricting the commerce of, uh, you know, firearms that are in common and ordinary use in other parts of the country, and they are the guns that the people want, like government doesn't get to dictate what you can and can't have. It's whatever is popular, common and ordinary that the the people want. Remember, we're, this is still the government of the people, for the people, by the people. So um, the people want AR-15s and the people want AK-47s, but yet Massachusetts says we can't. So where does that leave them in regard to 
you know, federal civil rights violations. I see it as a civil rights violation. What do you say? Am I off my rocker? Am I out on the end of the limb, sawing the branch off as it connects to the tree or what? Uh, go ahead and sound off in the comments if you're watching online and or, uh, you know, let us know how, what you think. So uh, we'll be back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Stand by. This is the first focal plane Diamondback Tactical. At the intersection of precision and value, the Diamondback Tactical first focal plane rifle scopes deliver an impressive array of features and performance. The XD optical system and fully multi-coated lenses transmit a crisp, bright sight picture. The first focal plane, glass etched reticle keeps subtensions accurate throughout the 4X zoom range. Exposed tactical turrets and a side parallax knob give shooters the tools needed for long distance precision shooting. The single-piece 30mm tube is ruggedly built to withstand recoil and impacts. Strong O-ring seals and nitrogen purging guarantee waterproof and fog-proof performance. Purpose-built to extend your effective range and stretch your dollar, the Diamondback Tactical comes equipped with the features you need at an unbelievable price. And it's covered for life by the Vortex VIP warranty. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your Second Amendment loving show every week on Saturday from 7 to 8 p.m. on the radio or online at capegunworks.com Rapid Fire, where, by the way, you can also get signed up for our weekly giveaway. So we have a weekly giveaway every week on this show, and we will be giving away our Vault-Tec LifePod 2.0 before the end of the show today. And we will be announcing another item that we're going to give away so if you miss out on this one, you'll be able to sign up for the next one. Also, check our uh, classes on the website. Uh, we have LTC classes, ladies' night, date night, every Friday. We have uh, all kinds of cool classes, Eric's Pistol Workshop, Pistol Accuracy Workshop, et cetera, et cetera. So um, before the break, we were talking about the newly released mass-approved weapons roster where all the good people up on Beacon Hill have or some of the lawyers in the back offices and the, you know, the firearms review board and all that and all the testing facilities have come together and aligned the stars and allowed us to sell another three or four guns here in the state of Afghanistan. So we are really excited about that. And also on the target shooting roster, uh, Nathan reminds me that the Colt Python target is now on the formal target shooting roster. So that's a good one. You know, the six inch, I believe it is the six inch barrel. So you, you can get that as well. So we will start to order some of those. And it would be nice if we got a, a tip of the cap every once in a while as to what's in the queue as to maybe coming out, but they never do that. So um, Davey's saying the mass compliant list is unconstitutional. And I would agree with you, Davey, in my vast constitutional uh, wisdom and scholarly understanding, uh, I would definitely say that mass list is unconstitutional. But And Keith chimes in that uh, Ms. Cateno did not even use the stun gun. She merely showed it and she was charged and it went all the way to the mass Supreme Court where she lost. And the feds jumped in and said, guys, get your act together. That's constitutionally protected stuff right there. But I just find it ironic that like if she had an LTC and she could legally 
carry a gun and um I don't think she had one and that was the situation that her friend knew her abusive boyfriend and by the way this all goes back to people who think government's going to keep you safe right I don't think that this this couldn't be a clearer picture of how government is going to continually fail to keep you safe because it's not their job it's a personal and individual responsibility so to say like, oh, you don't need guns. Why does anyone need an AR-15? Why does anyone need a high-capacity magazine? Um, how I choose to keep myself safe should be my choice. But Ms. Cateno here had to keep her defend herself against her abusive boyfriend. And so her friend brought her a stun gun. And then when he showed up to give her another beatdown, she showed him the taser and, you know, it diffused the situation. Police were called. When they showed up, they arrest her. Good. Yeah, that's great. Good job, gov government, you know, keeping us safe. So they and they charge her with, you know, assault and battery and the rest is history. So anyway, that's just uh, that's just crazy stuff. But um, plenty more to talk about, about crazy laws and crazy stuff coming up. So uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition is adding lawsuits at an unprecedented clip. So it's almost hard to keep track of the amount of lawsuits they are filing and I think it's wonderful it is just wonderfully refreshing and they're getting um, favorable outcomes and then all of a sudden you know the appeals courts step in just like in California uh, the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals stepped in and said and issued a stay on the decision of the assault weapons ban being unconstitutional so they reared their ugly head again and and showed the world that they are anti-gun and they're activist judges on a, uh, there's no more uh, activist court in the country, I don't think, than the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And what's funny is uh, I think there was some pretty good decisions that came out of the Ninth, Ninth Circuit uh, a while back, but then they do their whole on blanc or whatever Keith can correct me of what that is but the when they everybody in the panel instead of just like a three-person panel that makes a decision on the Ninth Circuit they get all the justices together and then they all kind of you know compare notes or something and then overturn what the earlier decision was but so yeah California uh, Ninth Circuit struck down the assault weapons ban and then I'm sorry the a judge struck down the assault weapons ban in the Ninth Circuit, overruled them and issued a stay, which everybody kind of knew that was coming. And so that'll obviously make its way to the Supreme Court where it'll either go to be another orphan of the Supreme Court and nothing will happen and the Ninth Circuit ruling will become the law of the land or the Supreme Court will finally start to take some gun cases and we'll see some progress and up or down at least it'll get voted on or or struck down um or you know upheld so hopefully some some of these cases will make their way to the supreme court in a timely fashion and you know everything is like a big web especially when it comes to constitutional law because you know we are one of the guarantees we have in the constitution is that we will have our grievances heard in a timely manner. Um, so they can't just back burner this stuff for decades, you know, and, and time, you know, eternal. It has to be heard in a timely manner. 
And unfortunately, some of this stuff gets brought up perennially or annually, uh, and it just never gets heard. Like we all saw the Supreme Court punt on this a couple of uh, year or so ago and didn't take a single of the 10 cases that were in front of them that were regarding the Second Amendment. And so, um, yeah, that's that was disappointing. But I also heard that it was strategy because Amy Coney Barrett hadn't been confirmed and uh, Ginsburg was still on the court. So and with Roberts being the the wishy-washy, not sure which way he's going to go today or tomorrow, the, they could have had a 4-4 and Roberts could have swayed it one way or the other. So it seemed like Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh decided to punt on it and hopefully get one more justice confirmed to the court that might be favorable to guns. And then if that was the strategy, it was brilliant. It was, you know, 4D chess as far as I'm concerned. But uh, and hopefully that w- will have been the, the case. And it's similar to what Biden did with the the Biden administration did with the um, ghost gun, you know, ATF ruling stuff and pistol brace stuff last year. And they said, hey, let's pump the brakes, opened up the comment period. We got overwhelming, you know, commentary blowback. And so let's just shut it down for now and wait until, you know, the new administration's in and we can get our boy Chipman confirmed, which, by the way, still hasn't happened. They punted again last week on his confirmation for the second or third time. And uh, I think they're really nervous. And Olympia Snow came out and said um, that she won't be voting to confirm him. He is one of the most divisive guys that could have been nominated for this um, position. And you got Michael Sullivan, we talked about it last week, uh, who was the former uh, acting AG and also the former acting uh, for the state. He was an acting AG and he was the former uh, or U.S. attorney. I can't remember, state attorney or something like that. Um, but he was also the interim director of the ATF. And he said, heck no, like David Chipman should not be confirmed. He is an extremely divisive person. He is obviously very biased when it comes to gun control even in his confirmation hearings they he said yeah i believe that ar-15s should not be owned by civilians should not be owned privately and when they pressed him on what an assault weapon is he goes well the assault weapon is whatever the definition you come up with no answer the question what's what's your in your opinion what is an assault weapon he didn't want to answer it because he knows it's basically any gun made is considered an assault weapon i mean if you think about it the 1903 springfield was a an assault weapon right they took it to war to kill germans right that was an assault weapon once upon a time uh the 3040 craig the the 1917 eddie stones you know these were all assault weapons if you want to you know label them uh any weapon i mean a shoelace could be considered an assault weapon if you use it to assault somebody. But they can also be used for defensive tools. If you're like Jackie Chan and you can do kind of ninja stuff with a shoelace, I bet bet you could use that as a defensive tool. But the point is, um, anything can be used for assault or defense, right? I I don't care what label you want to put on it. I want the best tool for the job. 
coming from a construction background, like I remember the days when we were hand nailing, I know I'm dating myself a little, hand nailing walls together and two by fours and plywood on walls. We would hand nail them. And then nail guns like started to become more of a thing. And you could nail the nail guns, you know, sheathing on the wall. You could nail shingles on the roof with nail guns. And yeah, it's a much better tool for the job. So as a defensive tool, I want the best tool for the job. I want superior firepower over anything that criminal element can have. Which brings me to my next subject. I know I'm skipping around like crazy. It's all a connected web in my brain. But today, uh, the Biden administration said they're coming out with new zero tolerance policies and launching an official strike force against gun dealers who participate in uh, selling guns to prohibited persons. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I, I agree with the sentiment of that. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be selling guns to felons, right? Or prohibited persons or people who've been adjudicated mentally ill or whatever else. Um, but I'm a little nervous that they're coming up with a strike force to enforce a zero tolerance policy, meaning they want their FFLs revoked after one incident of selling a gun to a prohibited person. The strike force is obviously going to be undercover people who are probably going to appear to be a prohibited person and try to buy a gun and probably entrap and set people up. And what is the scheme that they're going to come up with? Is this like a fast and furious scheme? Is this like the failed schemes they've done in Chicago where they bought illegal guns and burned about 30 million of the government money only to have no prosecutions? And why aren't we targeting the actual criminals who are using guns in violent crime? Wouldn't that be a better use of resources? I digress. I'll be right back. You're listening to Rapid Fire. We'll have Keith Langer on in the next segment, so stand by. We will see you on the other side. I'm Toby Leary. Rugged and extremely clear, Loophole Performance Eyewear filters out harsh light while dramatically reducing glare. Whether you're hiking through the backcountry, dialing in at the range, or navigating the daily grind, Loophole's crystal clear lenses will keep your eyes protected and your vision fresh all day long. Learn more about Loophole Performance Eyewear at loophole.com. This is the Voltec VT-10i. It's your travel buddy, so it goes where you go. To your work, on the road, or at the range. It's the smart and rugged safe built to protect, no matter what you trust it with. We've made sure every inch of your safe is built to the highest possible standards. Security is at the forefront of our thoughts, so no unwanted guest. The VT-10i provides multiple quick and simple access points, including high-resolution biometrics, backlit numeric keys, key entry, and even your smartphone for remote access. The two-point anti-impact latches keep your safe strong, and Voltec lithium-ion battery charges in just 2.5 hours and lasts up to six months, so it won't let you down. There's a reason we're the number one rated biometric safe. 
Get yours at VoteTechSafe.com and find us online at Facebook.com slash VoteTechSafe. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. This is attorney Keith G. Langer, not just a gun rights lawyer, but a fellow gun owner at home on the range as well as in court. I can help you obtain or regain your firearms license, recover or transfer your firearms, and defend you against firearms or other criminal charges. I can also help protect your property with will sets, including trusts, health care proxies, and powers of attorney, zoning, or other permitting issues as well as collections and civil litigation. To schedule a consultation, call 508-384-8692, that's 508-384-8692, or visit my website, aglangerlaw.com. Talk to you soon. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We are here with Keith. Are you there, Keith? Thanks for joining us again. Good afternoon, Toby. How goes the battle? It goes, it goes. We are shoveling against the tide as usual. Well, you know that you can thank the chief of police for screwing up uh, stun guns. We were very, very close to having stun guns treated the same as uh, long arms with only a mere FID card required. Hmm. But the, uh, the city chiefs had a meltdown based upon an aberrant situation which they used tasers, not a stun gun, tasers, on an already excited individual. And based on that aberration, they persuaded Governor Baker to go with the full-blown, nonsensical LTC for a mere stun gun. Unbelievable. For a less-than-lethal gun. Like, that that's the irony is, like, you can choose a firearm or a stun gun now, and it's the same re- restriction. Same yeah, same license and requirements, and same place you can not legally carry a firearm, you can not legally carry a stun gun now. So it's just, it's utterly useless in my world. Like, I'd rather just carry the gun at that point, which doesn't make sense. If you're really trying to save lives, like, urge people who don't have licenses to carry a stun gun, and, you know, it's a less than lethal form of uh, defense, and frankly, the perpetrator gets to live another day. But I guess they don't really care about that stuff. Well, rational thought doesn't apply to Massachusetts firearms law, as the Supreme Judicial Court amply manifested in its original decision, which is why it was slapped down unanimously without even a hearing by the Supreme Court. Yeah. Which, but unanimously granted certiorari, reversed, and remanded the SJC on that issue. Mm. Well, um, Thanks for clearing that up. And, uh, you know, I have a question for you because I get this question a lot um, here at the gun store. People pay a lot of money. They take a lot of time, effort, and energy to go and go through, jump all, jump through all the hoops to exercise their Second Amendment. 
only to be told at some point, yeah, no, you ain't getting your license. And I have a a friend that I, I know that actually has never been arrested, never been charged with a crime, and uh, might not live in the most desirable neighborhood, but he uh, went through the whole process, paid the fee, got the stamps, you know, got the fingerprints, got the photographs, had the meeting with the chief and everything, only to be told, you're not getting the license. And when he said why, he was told, because you're not getting the license. And that was as good of an explanation as he got. There was no writing or written thing that says, hey, uh, you know, you're not giving it because of such and such an event at such and such a time. It was just told, no, nope, you're not getting it. So go do whatever you want to do about that. But you aren't getting the license. So um, he came to me wondering what he can do about that. And so I said, well, I know just the guy to ask. So I'm going to ask Keith. So. Well, he should have been issued a denial. Yep. He should be getting a denial in writing. Mm-hmm. And if they're using the standard form, as I assume they are, it will tell you at the bottom exactly what you need to do. Okay. Which is file a petition for judicial review in your district court. Okay. But the bottom line is what you tolerate, you validate. What you put up with, you deserve. If you have the chief say, well, no, I don't feel like it, demand that they put it in writing mm-hmm. because you need a written decision to, to attach or to show that they let 40 days go by without action. A lot of people let it go and go and go, and the police say, oh, it's the state, which is usually a lie. Right. It almost never is. And I always tell people to use the hotline that Director Dunn set up very, very, very early in her administration. So you can call the FRB, and they will tell you what the status of your license is, which is we're waiting for the police department in most cases. <laughs> yeah, it's always funny. Like, I get people who say they call the number, they say the police have it. The police tell them the state has it. And uh, then what? <laughs> you know, you're just, you go into the police department and say, the state says you have it. And they say, no, you know, they have it. And so it's a lot of finger pointing. Well, that's why she set it up, because she was tired about the police department's lying and blaming it on the state. Interesting. So, In fact, year, years ago, there was a certain large mid-state city that was specifically blaming the state police APHIS unit for holding up a client's LTC, which, given the period of the delay, I found hard to believe. Mm. So I tracked down the information and contacted the head of the APHIS unit, said, this police department is claiming that your department is responsible for the delay in this person's LTC, all the information. Never heard back from the state police. Hmm. However, the certain large mid-state city chief got a call from the APHIS unit advising them to stop lying about the source of the delay. Hmm. I know that because the police department called my client and told him that if he had any questions about the delay, the call of police department, not the state police. Yeah, because, you know, that was such a reliable source. Right. Now we have the FRB hotline, so we don't have to put up with that nonsense. Right. So so in the case of the FRB hotline, it's pretty much that's the, the real version of the truth instead of whatever else you're getting from the, the local... Well, given a choice between the two, I would take the FRB staff in a heartbeat mm-hmm. over a police department that 
12 weeks after you filed your application says, oh, it's with the state. Right. Because half the time they haven't even submitted it. Yeah. Yeah, they probably do it in batches. They probably wait a couple weeks and whatever comes in, they do it in a even batch. Even at that, you shouldn't be three and four months with no response and the FRB telling you we're waiting for a decision by the police. Right, right. I remember, you know, I've spoke ab of, about this on the air before, but when I got my license to carry, uh, when I turned 18, I was down there at, on my 18th birthday with application in hand, fingerprints, photographs, my certificate and everything else. And uh, I handed it in and they said, oh boy, we got a live one here. And because uh, at the time, I, you only had to be 18 to get your license to carry. And they said, you know, we'll call you. And I said, okay. And I called them next week. Did it come in yet? We'll call you. Called them the week after. Did it come in yet? <laughs> you know? And this went on for six months. And uh, finally, I walked in and I said, guys, it's been six months. You're supposed to respond within 40 days. They said, we told you we'd call you. And I said, yeah, but it's been six months. I'm not leaving. What's going on? And they reach in the drawer and pulled it out. And said, "Here, you screw it up. We're gonna take it out, take it away." I'm like, "Gee, thanks, guys. You know, but they were sitting on it. They just didn't want to give it to me, and they had no legal right not to. But that, so, you know, so as far as my friends concerned, or say somebody who is denied for an OUI back in 1978 or something like that, is there a chance that they can get their rights restored? Well, if it's an OUI from '78, it's not even a disqualifier. Okay." Uh, that didn't happen until, as I recall, 93. That doesn't mean that the chief can't do it on discretion, but it's not a statutory disqualifier. Mm -hmm. The key issue is to go in with a prepared application and come out with a receipt or a stamp on your copy of the application, some evidence that you actually filed it. I have a number of people who call me, and they don't have a response that was months ago, and I say, well, do you have a copy of your application? Uh, no, uh, I just go in and I filled it out there, which is about as rational as going to the IRS on April 15th and expecting them to do your taxes for you. Mm -hmm. you, know, you should always have prepared it yourself. You should always have a copy, and at the very least, get a copy of the one that they had you sign electronically, have them print it out and give you a copy. You need a copy to prove that you filed it. And that starts the 40-day period. Because after 40 days, it is deemed denied, and you can appeal accordingly. And you can thank Goal for that, because Goal got fed up and was able to get the legislature to enact the 40-day time period. Now, there is absolutely no penalty on the police for ignoring it. Mm -hmm. But the days of the pocket veto are gone unless you put up with it. After 40 days, it's deemed denied, and it starts the 90-day appeal period, which is why the people who wait and wait and wait and wait because they believe the police say, oh, it's a delay. Oh, we can't process because of COVID. Oh, it's the state. You know, they're, they're, right. they are letting their appeal period elapse. Mm. Interesting. So your advice, if it goes 41 days, you could get in contact with you and you can help them through the process? Is that is that how After that would work? 41 days, you need to start getting, as they say, your ducks in a row uh -huh. so that you are prepared to act before the 90-day appeal period elapses. Got it. Okay. 
Cool. I'm well, dealing now with uh, an issue with the uh, FRB, technically EOPS, on a non-resident LTC. The client applied for her non-resident LTC, having previously held an LTC as a mass resident. And she gets my cover letter to her application back and scribbled across the bottom. Somebody has put asterisk, uh, we don't process applications for non-U.S. residents. There's nothing in the law that says that. It's a non-resident permit, period. It was written with the express intention of allowing people to come here to compete. There's nothing that says you have to be a U.S. citizen. There's nothing that says you have to be a U.S. resident. There's nothing that says you have to live in this country in any way, shape, manner, or form. Right. And tomorrow will be four weeks since I contacted the FRB director regarding this so-called policy scribbled at the bottom of a letter. So it's really going to be up to the client to see whether they want to pursue it uh, by bringing EOPS into court over this imaginary policy and scribbles on the bottom of letters. So, you know, this all leads to my question of the day, which is, can states legally restrict constitutional rights or are they only allowed to expand on rights? And I I know it's a rhetorical question, but as we exit here, this segment with you, Keith, what say you? Aren't they restricting on our federal rights by doing this? And are they legally allowed to do that? Well, under the literal language of the Second Amendment, yes, because it says Congress shall make no law. right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Right. So that's absolute. It doesn't say any restriction. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law, but the Second Amendment doesn't have that. It says shall not be infringed. So clearly there have been infringements because they've restricted uh, the use of full auto and they've allowed licensing requirements and all the other hoopla that varies from state to state so you don't have any uniformity. Crazy. All right. Well, we got to go. Thanks for joining us again, Keith. We'll see you next time. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Nobody thinks it will happen to them. But with over 2,000 emergency phone calls per month to our independent program attorney answered hotline, it's closer to home than you think. At U.S. Law Shield, we give you exclusive access to our 24-7, 365 emergency hotline. Not a call center, direct access to our network of independent program attorneys. With a price point of only $10.95 per month and unlimited attorney hours for criminal and civil defense, U.S. Law Shield provides you with unparalleled service and protection where it matters most. No other program comes close. We believe an educated member is an empowered member. We do this by providing educational resources featuring seasoned attorneys, firearms instructors, law enforcement, and experts in all areas. We at U.S. Law Shield believe peace of mind should come with simple and affordable protection. All right, welcome back to Rapid Fire. This is Toby Leary. Um, host of Rapid Fire every week and co-owner of Cape Gunworks. So come on into Cape Gunworks if you haven't been down yet. 
it's worth the trip. We have some really good stuff for this summer. If you're getting into summer mode, beach mode, sandy neck mode, we got some coolers and some chairs and some mosquito repellent, mosquito eaters and all that good stuff. Not to mention we have our summer open house coming up July 9th, 10th, and 11th, which is going to be epic. All right, this is our seventh anniversary. July 5th is our seventh anniversary, and it's going to be awesome. So we have Howie Carr coming on July 9th, and I I feel bad about this, but sometimes I forget to mention, and I don't know why because she's just awesome in her own right, but Grace Curley will be here as well. From 12 to 3, she will be broadcasting the Grace Curley Show at Cape Gunworks. And then Howie will be broadcasting his show from 3 to 6. Uh, so we'll have him here live on July 9th. So you want to make sure you're here for that. And it's going to be epic. Um, but then that whole weekend, the 10th and 11th, we're going to have some really great prizes and giveaways and probably some refreshments and some all awesome stuff going on all weekend long. So you don't want to miss out on that. And we're really excited about that. Um, so, you know, as always, from talking with Keith, you know, it's about as clear as mud here. And somebody on the chat says that by me referring to Afghanistan, Massachusetts as Afghanistan is unfair to Afghanistan because there's AK-47s all over that place. And <laughs> that is true. That's a good point. So, um, yeah, there's lots of people with toting AK-47s in Afghanistan. But here in the People's Republic of Massachusetts or whatever you want to call us, um, not so much. But uh, let's see how it all works out. And Skunk Works is asking if it reaches the Supreme Court, meaning that California assault weapons ban appeal that, you know, the Ninth Circuit just struck down or issued a stay of, um, will, will, it, will that be favorable to Massachusetts? And absolutely, if it reaches the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court strikes down that stay and rules that the assault weapons ban are, in fact, unconstitutional, then they go away for us as well as California and Maryland and Connecticut and New York and whatever other states are acting like the tyrants that they are. So um, David says the right to bear arms is constitutionally protected, but voting is not. And they make a big deal about accessibility to voting. I believe isn't voting. I think voting is a constitutionally protected right. Um, but I agree with you, even under that, those auspices that, you know, they, they say, oh, requiring an ID to vote is discrimination. It's racist. And it's like, okay, well, what about what I have to jump through to get a gun? Is that racist? Like, I have to not only get ID, I have to get fingerprinted photograph, take class, pay a bunch of money, pay another fee to get the license, have my name in the computer database by the Department of Justice or criminal justice or, you know, whatever else. Isn't that racist or or am I going too far? I don't know. And if it's racist because, you know, minorities in inner cities can't figure out how to get an ID, then they're certainly not going to be able to figure out how to jump through all the hoops in order to get a gun to protect themselves. And some of those minorities in inner cities are some of the most at-risk people. So we should be making the process simpler if we really want to protect the you know people who live in inner cities and you got you know gun violence in chicago like why isn't chicago ground zero for every single anti-gun organization 
that wants to see major reform. Like we all, you don't co-opt the fact that you don't want gun violence just because you have some against gun violence in your name of your nonprofit organization that wants to restrict rights and take away guns from responsible citizens. We don't like gun violence either. Like, I don't like the surge of gun violence in New York City and Chicago that's happening every weekend, that's happening in broad daylight in Times Square where little girls are getting shot. That is not something that I enjoy seeing on the news and seeing like EMS or police responders running through Times Square with a girl who just got shot to an ambulance. Um, but you know what? That's not on me as a responsible gun owner. That's on you who make it harder for people to protect themselves and easier for perpetrators to get out of jail and repeat offend. Okay? That's on you. Don't try to put that on me. And all, And now announced recently the Biden administration wants to give these zero tolerance uh, policies and launches strike force targeting gun dealers for their contribution in gun violence. So my contribution in gun violence is zero compared to the government's contribution in gun violence, especially with their rich history of Fast and Furious and their undercover operations and even what just happened on January 6th with what was the FBI doing with all the groups that, you know, uh, knew that there was going to be insurrection. Like they did they fan those flames or stoke those fires? And what about Ashley Babbitt? She's dead by a federal officer. And we're not going to talk about that. Come on, guys. Let's come on, man. Let's get real about it. And I think that, uh, you know, government has blood on its hands and wants to lay all the blame at responsible gun owners' feet. And I think it's sick and it's cowardly and it's their refusal to want to face true crime and true felons and true violent criminals down and put them where they belong, which is behind bars for a really long time. Because I don't want my community faced with violence. I want a strong, responsible community of gun owners to take responsibility for protecting themselves so anyway all right we'll be right back on the next segment we'll draw our winner so stay tuned after the break you're listening to rapid fire i'm toby weary made in america since 1949 family owned and operated legendary performance this is Hornady. May your tag of a lifetime finally come through. May the snow pile up and the elk come down. May your socks always stay dry. May the herd bull finally break from the herd. And may your aim always stay true. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the Vortex. SnapSafe, featuring a pry-resistant 3 inch solid steel door, 2300 degree Fahrenheit one-hour fire shield protection, and a lifetime warranty. SnapSafe, a modular safe with welded safe security. 
All right, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Rapid Fire. It's a quick hour every week where we get to talk about guns and freedom and Second Amendment and self-defense and your rights as a citizen here in Massachusetts and beyond. So hopefully uh, we've contributed to that and cleared up a little bit the very muddy waters that we wade in here in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, like Mike on the chat says, Quincy sucks, that's why I'm leaving for Florida. And, you know, I, I think that um, that that is the sad turn of events. Some people just can't take it, and they're finally going to pull up stakes and leave. We've had a lot of good customers leave that, you know, liked their place, and we just had one guy come back after being in North Carolina for a couple of years, and he hadn't seen the new store and stuff, so when he came in, he was blown away at the new store, but he also said, man, I really miss the Cape. I miss my house in Yarmouth. I miss... You know, my backyard, I miss my pool, I miss my dog running through the woods and, you know, this area. So we have something special here on Cape and in Massachusetts, you know, and a lot of us don't want to pull up stakes and move to Florida. We don't want to leave and go to New Hampshire. We don't want to leave and go wherever the heck else has wonderful gun laws. We want freedom where we live and we want our rights restored. And frankly, that's why we choose to stay and fight. And, you know, that's that's the only acceptable outcome for, for me. And we drove our stakes pretty deep into the ground here in Massachusetts, my family. And yes, it's lovely to get off a plane in Florida or Texas or Alaska and breathe the fresh air and breathe true freedom and go, oh, wow, I feel better just stepping off the plane. But then again, you know what? Our lives are here and planted here. If you got no tethers whatsoever, you don't have family, you don't have a business, you don't have you know a school or you don't have kids going to school or whatever, and you, there's nothing here to offer you other than just hardship and you know you don't like it. Yeah, go move. There's great places. But on the other hand, I would rather people who are you know responsible, uh, freedom-loving people to kind of gather together and you know unite around, you know, COM2A and Goal and Firearms Policy Coalition and Gun Owners of America and, you know, Second Amendment Organization and and people like Keith Langer and Jason Guida and, you know, some of the great attorneys in the state doing great work for us that live here and continue to fight, man. Let's see our rights restored back to their constitutional intended, constitutionally intended, uh, you know, the way they were. So that's the way I feel. Um, and there's a movement across the country, you know, of uh, Texas just confirmed that it was signed by Governor Perry that, um, you know, un, uh, constitutional carry is the law of the land now. So that's a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, that's hopefully going to come to us in some form or another. I'd even just be okay with a lifetime licensing as a start to that. Maybe in 10 years we'll be able to get the... Uh, constitutional carry or a national reciprocity without extra layers um it should just be hey you're licensed in one state you're good in another state or if there's no licensing requirement in your state and you're not a prohibited person you're good to go in another state wouldn't that be nice so that would be awesome but anyway you never know so we have a winner for this week's giveaway um of the vault tech life pod 2.0 so if you haven't checked out these, these are awesome little uh, gun cases to keep you legal in your safe storage in the home or abroad as you travel. 
and it has a combination. So you, uh, you just wake it up and you have an electronic lock on it that you punch in whatever code you want and it unlocks and you, it's also water and weather resistant. So when you, uh, pop the locks, it has an O-ring in it. It's TSA compliant. You can use this to store a gun in when you travel and you declare a firearm on an airplane. You can go ahead and, uh, you know, put it in your luggage with a firearm in it as long as you declare it. Um, so it's one of those uh, Vault-Tec life pods. Vault-Tec is also a sponsor of the show, and they make a phenomenal product. It's really good. So it's a $120 value, and the winner is Michael Richard. Congratulations. We will be reaching out to you, Michael. And, uh, you know, you're the winner of the LifePod 2.0. So make sure you get signed up for the giveaway that we do every week. Tomorrow's This week's giveaway will be up as of tomorrow. And uh, we will be giving away a Pelican handgun case this week. So we have a nice flat dark earth Pelican hard case, which doesn't have a lock on it. It dogs down and it's got steel reinforced corners so you can put a padlock on it. Um, but it is also TSA compliant and you can go ahead and uh, fly with that as well. Uh, but it's a more of a go to the range, rugged, you know, drop it out of a second story building and pre preserve your gun. So it's an excellent uh, case. And we'll be giving away that this week. So um, let's see. So uh, getting back to some of the questions. So Bob says buying beer is with an ID is racist under those uh, comparisons. And I would say, yeah, I agree. And we also have a question. Do we have any VZ 58s in stock? If so, could I get a price? I haven't been able to get my hands on a VZ 58 in months. And I'm really sad about that. But you heard it here first. We have some, um, Markle Mars, the, uh, set me L battle rifles coming in those Spanish battle rifles that are designed like the, uh, HK, um, roller lock designs. Uh, there's all this debate about chicken and the egg, which one came first, but they're a phenomenal rifle. Um, they have a bolt hold open feature. They have a charging side charging handle, and they take AR-15 mags, and I have a bunch of them coming in. We haven't got them yet, but those are a good price point. I think they're right around $1,500, $1, $1,600 that take detachable AR mags. And um, so, yeah, let's uh, check those out if you want a good um you know, modern sporting rifle. Um, so let's see, ATF doesn't even have the authority to investigate international firearms exports smuggling. That's what made Fast and Furious so ridiculous. Homeland Security investigations do inter international cases. Interesting, KJ. Um, and Davey's saying he doesn't miss mass laws. <laughs> I, I hear that. Um, I wouldn't miss them either if I no longer had to abide by them. Um, and what some red states are doing is using the tactics of the left and instituting a sanctuary state for the Second Amendment. And yeah, I just read online, Ammo Land had an article about that, um, that there is actually 60% of all, actually it's 61% of all of the counties in America are considered Second Amendment sanctuary counties. So that's pretty cool. I don't know really how far that will actually protect you if you like run into the sanctuary county and say hey i'm here protect me i don't know it sounds good on paper but until somebody like throws themselves at the mercy of the second amendment county and they actually come to their aid and defense that would be cool um but we'll see what that really looks like and what it means 
Um, I believe sanctuary states are a better, you know, more logical conclusion because the whole state will have to be on, on board and the, the law enforcement of the land will be directed from the state level down. Um, so let's see how that goes. Uh, but anyway, um, all right, let's see. Do we ever get any Ruger Mini 14 Tacticals? Occasionally, KJ, but I haven't seen one in a while. Um, but we have a ton of inventory. I'm ki I kid you not. Ammo, guns, accessories, your stuff to kick off the, the summer. It'll, it's amazing what we have. So um, come on down and check it out. Um, or visit us on the web. Or give us a call. Whatever you want to do, we're here for you. And uh, thank you for tuning in, as always. Uh, remember, this show is ending now, but the show goes on online. So tune in at capegunworks.com, rapid fire, and join us on the range or hear the extended answers to some of your questions. I'll be here for a little while. So if you're listening online, just stay tuned. You'll get the extended uh, version of this show. So I'm Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Thanks so much, and God bless. Stay safe. Take care.